0: There she is. There she is. <laughs> Sorry. How, is... How are we? Are you okay? Oh, God.
1: I'm all right, considering. How are you? I <laughs> am.
0: Yeah, I'm very good, Sorry.
1: thank you. Ah.
0: I was just explaining to our audience this afternoon that we were just having some technical difficulties getting hold of you, but here you are. You've
1: I'm here, I'm here. Sorry, everybody.
0: <laughs> great to see you. Thanks for, for joining us to, today, Joanne. And... Um, Let me just explain to um, those watching that Joanna's now been at Manchester City Council for just over three years. Time flies when you're having fun, Jo. And And, and of course, um, she's obviously overseen some fantastic developments in Manchester during that period of time. The city's continued to from strength to strength in terms of its economic power, its influence on the Northern Powerhouse and the wider UK. Um, but equally, there's been some significant challenges. So we had the tragedy of the Manchester uh, Arena bomb uh, not long after Joanna had actually come into post. Uh, now we've got the COVID crisis uh, and uh, there have been a number of incidents around and mipping a little bit more lighthearted, I have to say, which we may uh, have a discussion on a little later on um, but joe first let me start by saying welcome formally and uh, let me just ask you what those first 3 years have been like because obviously <laughs> you're an experienced chief executive but i don't think there's anywhere quite like manchester is there there isn't
1: anywhere like manchester that's absolutely true um it's been well, it's been full on since since those, that sort of first you know four weeks into the job and the arena bomb incident, as you said. And um, I've always said that whilst that was without doubt the worst time in my professional and possibly my personal life, actually, for quite some time, um, I also got to see the heart of Manchester in a way that. Um, nobody could have explained to me what Manchester was really like, but living through that experience and seeing how the city responded, how every part of Manchester comes together and does what's right for the city, whatever is thrown at it, whatever is thrown at it, the strength of the partnerships, the strength in our communities, the resilience of this place, I. I, it's never left me. That, that experience has never left me, and um, who, who knew I'd be needing to draw on it again and again and again. Which is what it's been like. Yeah.
0: Well, that does lead me into um, the conversation about where we are at this moment in time, because, as you rightly say, Joanne, you know you, you find yourself facing yet another huge uh, challenge, a, a difficult time. Not on your own, at least this time. You know, it's a global pandemic that we're all having to uh, get used to and learn to live with. Um, But again, I think what has been demonstrated across the north, but uh, in Manchester particularly, is this power of a city that comes together, that begins to collaborate and has in place already a very strong infrastructure of those public-private sector partnerships, which has served the city so well for many years now. And that's really come to the fore over the past few weeks, hasn't it?
1: Definitely. Um, I was thinking about uh, this session over the weekend and a a quote came to me. I'm sorry, I can't remember who it it was who said it. But but the quote is that um, anyone can lead when a plan is working. Mm. The best lead when a plan isn't working. (laughs) And I think um, it made me smile because... um, that's what we've had to do here, isn't it? You know, we have had to respond locally to um, what needs to happen here to make a national plan work. And um, I think we've uh, those, those first couple of weeks when um, we didn't really know the extent of what we were dealing with, but we responded very quickly. Uh, there's a report at uh, the council's executive meeting on Wednesday which sort of gives some flavour, really, about how we had to respond in those first few weeks. And, and I was looking at it at the weekend and thinking, bloody hell. I'd <laughs> I, 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 I almost forgotten the extent of which it was so full on. But it, it wasn't just us. It was everywhere. You know, I, I was thinking about, we had 10,000 vulnerable people in this city. When we went into lockdown, we had 10,000 They're called shielded people, people with health conditions or vulnerabilities. Uh, And we had to galvanise food and medicines and logistics and support for those 10,000 people. Plus, we had other people who just needed help. Who just needed help. And, you know, we did that. We created local hubs. We created a distribution network. Um, We started to get food parcels out, you know, one day we were delivering 2,400 food parcels a day, that was done through volunteers, that was done through businesses helping us, it was done with us working collaboratively with the army and with government, but you know, that was just incredible. Uh, And at the same time, I I think sometimes um, people don't always realise that the City Council is a business in its own right, I employ 7,000 staff. I had to set up um, what I was going to do with uh, with all those staff. You can't just send all the everybody home. We had services that needed to be delivered, so we had to get three thousand staff working from home. It was a phenomenal effort from our, from the back office IT people. We had to redeploy staff. We have over two hundred volunteering these You know, it was just phenomenal. And then you get the requirements around PPE, how we get um, vulnerable people, elderly people out of hospital, into care homes. We were doing 300 people in a fortnight move from hospital to support the NHS, to do what we could alongside them. This was all happening in parallel. Yeah. Um, you know, this was, this was just galvanising action to, to work at GM level, to work at a local level, um and, and businesses i should say frank were outstanding as i said at the start really you really see what marks manchester out and when when um businesses were on the phone to me saying what do you want what can we do we'll we'll bring in food we, we can source ppe we can deliver for you uh, it was just phenomenal really so yeah we did all of that in a fortnight and of course that was just the we, that was the initial response phase, and, a, and we're still in elements of that, we're still doing bits of that, but now, of course, we're turning our attention to recovery it, it, if that's the right word, really. It's the word that people know. Um, and we're starting to put our attention now into um, sustaining that which we've put in place, as, as I've described, but now thinking through what are we going to do about our economy and coming back from this? What do we do to continue that support for residents and community and how will that look and feel differently. Um, of course I need to worry about impact on the council, how, how do I sustain the services that we we're responsible for and our financial position and I think now we're in the place where it's about influencing government to get the right solutions that we need here in this city. So that's kind of where I'm at now. So it's, yeah it's been busy.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can, <laughs> I can imagine. And and I think that, um, you know, you've, you've very clearly there outlined what the duties and responsibilities of the local authority have been. And of course, you know, in a time such as this, the attention and the focus has to be on those care service elements of what local authorities are responsible for. And of course, you've got very serious statutory duties as well as moral duties to the wider residents, as you say, of Manchester and then you're involved in the strategic Greater Manchester stuff as well. But always, you know, at the back of your mind, and I know the same will be, and Richard, is what happens next. Because Manchester is always thinking about what happens next. It's why the city has been as successful as it has been for 20 years and more now. Um, and so, you know, without wishing to underestimate the continuing challenges that you're going to have, around social care and all those other things that you've talked about today um, what are the sort of economic developments and business support uh, hopes and aspirations of manchester as we move forward uh, realistically are we getting any feel yet as to which sectors we may be able to bring back into the economy more quickly than others
1: well some parts of business has carried on and uh, the first thing i'd say is that um, a big thanks actually to all of the businesses particularly those working on some of our major projects who have very quickly adjusted to uh, new safe working practices that have continued so um, we continue to see a number of our major sites our major projects have continued here in Manchester now they're obviously going to take longer there's reduced workforce there's issues around supplies materials but wherever we could We've continued, um, and I'm very pleased about that. I think we've also seen confidence continuing. So those major projects that we've been working on, such as Northern Gateway, we have the funding secured for the Housing Investment Fund on Northern Gateway to with the deal we have with Far East Consortium. So that's continuing. We've seen um, commitments still for the new hospital built up for mental health facilities up at North Manchester, so those are continuing, HS2, Mayfield, that's continuing. So so the first point is, uh, of those major schemes that we have been trained, that commitment, that support, that's still there. That pipeline is incredibly, incredibly important. Um, We have seen, uh, still got some confidence around commercial developments that we're bringing forward that we know are around. And equally resi. Now, longer term, I don't know what's going to happen around uh, values, um, mm. values, whether we'll start to see some dip in that. But, but, but where we are right now, that sector uh, still has a degree of confidence and continuation around it. I think when we start to look at some other sectors, it's less certain, isn't it? And the question was, what are we doing about it? And, it, and in a way, it's... Um, it's hard to say what we're doing because this is about working jointly in partnership with government. But the first point has to be this next phase of post-lockdown, still with some restrictions, we're not all going to go back to work as we used to for quite some time. So we're kind of calling it the living with COVID phase. Uh, Guidance government put out uh, the different sectors um, has to... worked through I think by individual businesses but at at our start point has to be getting people back into work where it's safe for them to do so. Um, What does that safe mean? Well that's risk assessment stuff, that's access to equipment, PPE in some instances, that's still got to be worked through. Our job I think um, will be to try and collect as much evidence we can from businesses around what are the practical things that they need? How, how do we support businesses in the first instance? And, and I'm very open for people to just let us know what, what they practically need. Some of the things we've been thinking about is obviously schools. How, how do I get my schools open safely to enable people to come back to work? Um, what are we gonna do about transport? So that's working with Greater Manchester. How do we bring back confidence for the public to come back to work? It's not just in the workplace, is it? It's getting to the workplace.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, we've also enjoyed a little bit of clean air, no traffic around. You know, there's a, a there's a lot of people thinking, is this going to be a lifestyle adjustment? Yeah. And we've still got our uh, you know, carbon reduction commitments, our zero carbon targets. So I think we don't particularly want to see a rush back to work where everybody gets in their car. Mm. That, that, that isn't the solution. So how can I start to create um, better ways to get to work that is manageable, that, that is more sustainable? So uh, we've just announced in the press some changes that we want to make to Deansgate, to pedestrianise areas of Deansgate. That's to make it easier to walk around with more space in the city. It's also to see if we can uh, trial the um, less use of cars in the city centre point. We've got proposals to do more about place shaping and that's longer term thinking around our place and what we want to do. I, I just think the businesses though right now, it's how do we build public confidence, come back to work? So safe, it's safe to be at work and that's going to need businesses to make their own adjustments. But I think we've also got to be honest and say there are certain sectors where I think we're really worried about their sustainability, their long term. Um, this morning, I was looking at the grants we paid out. So we paid out about 57% of the cash that we were given. But we've pretty much paid out all of the applications that were eligible. So there's something here about either are all businesses taking advantage of the grants they've got, or is there a real issue about um, the businesses that we've got not being eligible for the grant scheme as it currently stands? So I think one of my priorities right now is to work with government to try and get local flexibility Mm -hmm. on sustaining businesses. Um, There are a number of sectors, clearly leisure, hospitality sector, uh, is a concern for us as they're probably going to be the sector that will be hardest hit by virtue of being closed for the longest time. Yep. But I think we've also got a big challenge here for our culture, our cultural industry sector. It, 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 it's Manchester's USP, isn't it? It's one of the most fantastic things about this city alongside Liverpool that we're thinking, hang on a minute, we, we, we this is our, in our DNA. Yeah. We don't want these businesses to go, mm-hmm. so we've got to really work through that sector. I think, um, and talk to governments some more about bespoke packages around sustaining our cultural industries. Mm-hmm. So these are the kind of things, and it's difficult to be generic about. Um, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: What we need is individual sectors to tell us what they need. I think, mm-hmm.
0: and and I think that's probably going to be music to a lot of people's ears, Joanne. That you know that engagement with business. Is as important as it ever is to to manchester and, and obviously you know the council has been good at listening to business and responding uh, in the in the past and, and i'm sure that will continue in the future but i think the the other point that you made a little bit earlier in the conversation was that the city council is a business as well uh, and of course you've referenced a couple of times you know, some money that has been made available or will be made available from the government to support Manchester's business community. But then I I had a quick glance at um, some of the settlements which are being suggested for cities. And uh, let me be polite and say, it doesn't appear to me to be particularly generous at the moment. And I'm just wondering whether there is anything that the business community can do to support the council in the conversations and negotiations you'll be having over the next few weeks about those budget settlements
1: oh definitely um we can't do anything about the economic recovery of the city without a functioning local council you it 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 has to undermine undermine and underpin sorry the economic revival of the place Um, as we've proven previously um, at the, the the history of Manchester and what we've been it that that confidence council that is able to invest in and take equity stakes in some businesses where it's appropriate the airport being an example um, the way in which we've been able to use our uh, our resources to support businesses jobs skills training all of those things happen because you've got a fully funded council behind the city um, you mentioned the settlement, well, what can I say, um, it, you know, it's, it, 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 was, it, I, it was actually really disappointing. I, I, look, I, I work nationally, I know that all councils are struggling, uh, you know, this isn't, say, an argument about um, us versus London or us versus a shire council, that, that's not the space we need to be in, we need all local government adequately funding when I look at my budget and I forecast 150 million debt gap in my budget, 150 million predominantly as a result of um, income loss, not just additional costs, it's income loss. Um, We've got to get into a a proper long-term funding settlement for local government that puts us on a stable footing in order for us to be that partner that we need to be. With businesses to drive the economic recovery. Um, I, I would add, however, that if you look at that last round of funding that came out, which was um, uh, we, small beer really in terms of, or it all helps, but it was small money in terms of the scale of the gap, as I've said. If you also parallel that data with the um, incidence of COVID that's come out today, you will see that the North West has got has now overtaken London in terms of the figures. So, and yet we, I think it was only one council across the whole of GM got the same amount of money in the second tranche of funding. Well, Trafford got a slight increase in their funding from the first round to the second round. The rest of us got even less funding on the second round. So, and that's because they took deprivation figures out of the allocation. And what we know is that the people most affected by COVID and the people who are going to be most affected by any economic downturn are going to be the people in our deprived areas already, the people who are struggling to access labour markets, the people who have got underlying health conditions. So um, we we have to have uh, a funding settlement that does what we said before, which was let's level up the playing field here, let's invest in those communities and those places that need the investment in order for UK PLC to recover overall. And I just think this is a chance for the government to do that, I really do. And I think, um, well, I I don't see how they can, can let those places who have already got struggles struggle even
0: more how can they do that well fingers crossed that the negotiations over the next few weeks will be positive and and manchester will get the cash that it deserves Uh, just another potential opportunity i suppose as far as greater manchester is concerned is what we have seen i think joanne is that you again um, talked us through earlier is the speed with which places like Manchester to be able to react to the crisis and you know adapt to that very quickly changing picture as things have developed. One of the things that has helped is the fact that you know this infrastructure of uh, the combined authority and the city working very closely with those other authorities in the Greater Manchester area has been in place in Greater Manchester for many years now, To a mature partnership approach that you have. But I think if I was a government learning any lessons from this, it's that actually, if we can devolve more responsibility alongside importantly resources, then we can get delivery much quicker than we've seen in perhaps places that don't have that maturity of partnership approach, if I can put it that way.
1: No, without doubt, Frank, Um, you know, the, the work that we did in Manchester wouldn't have been possible without the greater Manchester infrastructure. Alongside us, um, I mentioned PPE. That was led by Steve Rombley in in Rochdale. He secured and procured the PPE for Health and Social Care, the NHS here in GM. It was brilliant. So that health devolution arrangement that we've got were dividends for us here. It was really good. Um, Eamon and Andy Burnham looking at the transport uh, issues. How are we? Uh, Chris Boardman on the on the fund he's got to accelerate cycling and walking you know these, these are all important strands and absolutely need that any future funding to be given in a devolved format to us at great Manchester. um do you remember brexit frank
0: <laughs> <laughs> i <laughs> miss brexit you know
1: do you remember brexit we used to talk about it for all of us back in the days when we were talking about brexit um we (laughs) remember it we used to um we were talking about shared prosperity fund and the replacement infrastructure funding uh that was, was the national infrastructure commission funding there was also shared prosperity fund um Let's not forget those conversations. There was a select committee meeting that was talking about a £4 billion fund being needed. So that was four billion pre-COVID. So, uh, you know, there is, Andy does a great job on this through the the Mayoral Combined Authorities, ongoing conversations with ministers. Um, We absolutely need that funding released, put down to GM so we can build on the strengths that we've got. We all know what our economic ambitions were. We now need to rethink those regeneration frameworks, those economic ambitions, not to dilute things that matter, like zero carbon, because I think all of us, all of our behaviours would have changed about that. But also to, to start to put some real infrastructure spend in place, but also to think through How are we going to sustain businesses? How are we going to sustain and grow businesses? Um, I was thinking about the 2008 crash and where government stepped in to to secure banks. Well, don't we need a sort of similar arrangement that enables us to uh, provide certainty and security for business, uh, particularly now, so that they don't all suddenly going to collapse or you know just are able to survive and, and i don't think it's always about grant funding for businesses it, it, it can be patient equity parties it can be investments that can be repaid long term you know we're going to have to start thinking about what we're going to do about section 106 where if viability is, becomes an issue um, so you know we, we we do need some proper thinking again long-term security and confidence for businesses.
0: Yeah, there is going to be, I suppose, a a whole new uh, approach to how relationships between public-private sector, but equally, as you say, what government sees as, perhaps in the past it would have seen as heresy, particularly a Conservative government, uh, is going to become the norm because some interventions, uh, I think, uh, are absolutely essential Um, one sector that you very briefly mentioned, you know, Manchester's got a fabulous international airport. If you look at aviation at the moment, it's 90% down on flights. I mean, it's just unthinkable, isn't it? So there are still, I think, some big questions that the government needs to answer in terms of those particular issues. But I think the other thing that you've touched upon there, Joanne, is the importance of continued investment into our infrastructure. And, And again, to be fair to, to the governments, I'm not sensing any backing away from those commitments that they've made in terms of infrastructure spend. But I think we should actually be going further because I think, you know, the lessons that hopefully have been learned over the last decade is that austerity doesn't actually get you to come out of crisis quickly. In fact, it can drag you back. And then when you are inevitably hit with another major challenge, then it gives you real problems, and you know you've talked about how Manchester's come together and galvanised itself as the city in a city region to cope with some of those problems. But I have to say, hand on heart, 21st century, you know, places like the UK, which is a rich country, let's face it, ought not to be putting its health and care workers in harm's way simply because we haven't got enough PPE. So again, I'm hoping lessons have been learned from 2008. So we will invest in the right things moving forward.
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things in that. I, I, I'm, I do want to see the infrastructure commitments stuck to. I think there has been a, I mean, we, we, we did get the housing investment fund away, which was not an insignificant mm-hmm. um, amount of 51 million. Um, there are some other bits of funding that we're not quite as certain on, but a couple of things for me. One is, HS2 and Mayfield crucial to us and Piccadilly you know we we, we I'm rethinking the design of some of this because you know crowded train stations people are not going to be using them how do we get the economy moving if people aren't able to get use mass public transport in a safe way that you know so uh, there's a rethink of design element for me in some of the infrastructure projects but Confidence around that happening would be good, and I think the other point is, and Andy Andy Burnham was really clear about this when he he launched um, uh, the Greater Manchester proposals, which has been called uh, Build Back Better, which is the the structure You know, we, it's not just spending that which we were committed to, but making sure that we maybe have a bit more headroom to redesign it so it's better. But the other element of that was good jobs. Quality jobs, there will be new jobs needed. I mean, we are, we, we are currently making, anybody who worked for us on a temporary contract in Manchester in social care, we're offering them full-time jobs, come and stay with us. We've done some adjustments to say, um, just come and stay. But I think there's, you know, what's the rates of pay? We need parity with some of these roles with NHS pay. We need things to be valued. You know, we've all stood on the streets applauding them, haven't we, Frank? We've all stood there applauding our carers every Thursday, our NHS colleagues our carers. Well, that's not going to go away. Let's pay them. Yeah. Let's pay them. Let's invest in them. Let's make this a career of choice, of, of quality. You know, be proud to work in the public sector. So there's a lot in there about quality of jobs. And I'll tell you the other one I'm thinking about the weekend. was uh, Cleaners cleaners yeah. our lives are going to depend on good quality frequent cleaning as much as it, as much as the masks and the gloves mm. and the social distancing mm. how, what what do how do we treat our cleaners what do we pay cleaners?
0: Yeah.
1: what what terms and kitchen cleaners on zero hour contracts it's known let's, let's, yeah. part of building that better in greater manchester surely has to be about valuing those types of jobs, all types of jobs, the people who've served in the shops, the people who will come back. We, we we need to have good quality jobs, quality employment as well. That, that has to be part of our thinking going forward, doesn't it? I, I do think post COVID, everybody's been at home, and I've been watching, I mean, I'm away from all my family, which is very difficult, so I've seen other people struggling as well. Um, I've seen some of our schools have been phenomenal in Manchester. All of our schools have opened. We've been doing loads of stuff with our most vulnerable children. And I think people have changed, you know, I think people are going to start thinking not just about their work life patterns, but um, what sort of society they want to live in. What's valued around here. Yeah. Um, how do we come together in a, in a kinder way? You know, it's been fantastic to see what we've done. How do we hold on to some of that? You said lessons learned. I think there's a, a real need for us to reflect and to capture that. I and mean, in fact, um, at the executive meeting on um, Wednesday, um, Sir Richard will be talking about the Our Manchester strategy. We've had the Our Manchester strategy as a guiding strategy for the city um, but for some time. It was before I came here, but it was due for a refresh. So, we've decided to use that as an opportunity to do some massive engagement with people to say, So, what kind of our Manchester do we want moving forwards then? So, we can start to capture our thinking about what kind of a place do we want? What sort of priorities do we want? What does good employment look like? What are the skills challenges for young people, for people who may potentially lose their jobs? What's it like to be an entrepreneur? How important is digital? to the future of this city. So big questions, but we're going to start off some, and I think this is the right time to do it. This is the right time to capture what people feel now about what we want to be like in the future.
0: I I think that's right, John, isn't it? Because uh, as much as we can sit here today and say, well, isn't it marvelous that people are finally starting to appreciate the great work of our key workers. Um, Those conversations don't happen quickly and don't happen now and as i said you know learn those lessons and let's make sure that we take due license of what the experience has been over the past few weeks you know what people are like and you certainly know what governments are like um you know six months down the line let's hope fingers and everything else across, things are beginning to get back to some sort of normal and it can very quickly be forgotten so I think it's absolutely right that those conversations and those strategies are put in place now Uh, and again I think you would uh, agree that you know in Manchester we are fortunate and that we have a sense of community a sense of responsibility from the vast majority of businesses in Manchester Uh, but this gives us an opportunity to enhance that yet again and I think it's right to do so
1: definitely when you when you think that I, i've mentioned earlier that the first um, priority really in our recovery plan is is economic uh, re, economic revival um but it's got to be done with confidence and it's got to be done in a safe way well, that's part of uh, tracing people testing people tracing people isn't it um, yeah. you, you talk about partnerships well we've got one of the busiest tracing uh, sorry, um, testing stations is at the Etihad. So Etihad have made themselves available for us to have a drive-through there. That's amazing. The airport have got the other uh, testing stations. Testing station there. That's fantastic.
0: Mm.
1: We're able to. So anybody who is symptomatic or concerned can log and go to these local testing stations. University is working with us in terms of getting those results quick. Health Innovation Manchester working with us to work through how tracing will work. So um, these are important pillars to build that public confidence, to build business confidence to get us back in. So you think about that network we have, Health Innovation Manchester, universities, businesses, local authorities, our ability to pick up the phone and speak to each other and make things happen quickly is, is, is what knits us together here. And it is what make, it
0: is what underpins our recovery. You've rightly identified culture as being a big part of uh, Manchester life, and you know, obviously, uh, being a Scouser, um, I, I will always say that the capital of culture is Liverpool. But nonetheless, <laughs> I've spent many an hour that are uh, enjoying myself in in the great city of Manchester as well, and, and of course you know, shouldn't surprise any of us but Manchester has used music um, through Sasha Lord and his uh, United We Stream initiative um, to, you know, sort of uh, allow some of us to reminisce about the Hacienda, uh, but more importantly raise quarter of a million pounds plus already yeah. that's just yeah. been such a great initiative Joanne, hasn't it? Oh, brilliant,
1: and it's just Manchester at its best, isn't it? Mm. Um, so- doing what he does well doing it in a different way bringing us all together i I loved it i absolutely loved it i'm I'm just i'm I'm incredibly glad that there wasn't a two-way camera watching us all dancing (laughs) pajamas um speak for myself but yeah that's the kind of thing isn't it that you say uh, those events we have something else coming up that we're trying to put together um as well later on in the month to these are important I was blown away by my library staff who, all working remotely, but decided that they'd start to put all their library events online and give access to the library. You know, we've got plays going out, we've got theatre going out, we've got so much happening. As much as we can, really, shifting it onto a different platform, um, thinking differently about how we provide stuff. And we've already started to think through, what about manchester's international festival then what's what's that what's that going to look like um what what how do we how do we maybe do something different um and and think through what we can build on that i agree um culture for me is uh it it, is often under underestimated by some when they talk about economy that they they're thinking about businesses or they're talking about different sectors and Understandably manufacturing, understandably construction, understand um, small businesses and the, and the very real need to support entrepreneurs and others at uh, digital infrastructure but actually culture is going to be so important for us as well isn't it? it it's going to be so important that we get um, that as much as that sustained as fast as possible, even if it has to be delivered in a different way um, it, I would say it's probably up there as one of my top
0: worries right now mm. uh, and as you, you obviously know, your
1: football as well of course
0: yeah well yeah yeah well yeah i'm not too bothered about this season being finished but uh,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we won't go into that controversy i get myself in enough trouble without talking football <laughs> um, No, I I think it's a great point you make as well in terms of finding different ways to deliver cultural events. And, and, uh, you know, I've just referenced Sasha, but there's many other examples. You've talked about some of the more community-focused events that your team have been able to come up with. I know a lot of schools and performing arts organisations that are doing the same thing. We do adapt, we do evolve. um, But equally, you know, listen, there's no more social animal than you. So, (laughs) you must must be desperate. And I I think think about people who are going to be as challenged as I am, so tactile that we're all going to, I think I'm going to have to get my hands tied together, you know, when we do actually end up going back to work. Um, Yeah, I know the
1: hospitality sector should know they're in safe hands with me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, you know, hopefully we'll return sooner rather than later. But well, listen, just on a, a lighter note, because um, the big conversations that we were having, and it seems almost trivial now, but in February, was whether Mippin, the big property festival, would no, yeah. oh, go ahead. Yeah. Do you remember that? I mean, you're saying, so yeah, yeah. do you remember Mippin? And, and of course, you know, an awful lot of people invest uh, a, a huge amount of time and effort, uh, not more so than Manchester, in putting together A tremendous week of activity and I know this year uh, like all other years you know some great events that were going to happen some really interesting things that were going to be explored as well Uh, but we all know of course cancelled but listen your track record on Mick and (laughs) Joanne right so year one Manchester takes this fabulously impressive space right on the beach (laughs) and and can decides to have like the worst winds that it's ever seen and bloody the whole exhibition space gets blown into the sea last year year two you end up on a flight that uh, has been described to me as uh, you know people are actually phoning the family saying we might not see you again so I've just thrown it and up yet, and this is where the will is. And uh, you know, people are still dining out on the story of that particular <laughs> fight that the Manchester delegation or many of you are on. <laughs> and then this year we have bloody COVID. Why are you just when it comes to Nippham, Joanne?
1: I'm 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 seriously beginning to worry about um if, if Richard's ever gonna let me go to Nippin ever <laughs> again. Because you you're absolutely true. I, my my Manchester mipping experience has been anything but straightforward. I'd like to say it's always been good when I've eventually got there. I've always, I've always made it a very successful Mippin, um, but it always kind of starts with the drama. I, I, I'm not going to tell anybody about my future mipping plans on the basis that I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mippin. Yeah. I'd look forward to just a nice seamless Mippin maybe. Where we can all, uh, if it ever happens again, who knows? Let's see. But uh, all joking aside, that internationalisation um, agenda of ours has always been huge, hasn't it? it you know, it, um, twinned with Wuhan, who, who, by the way, have been great with us. Wuhan's Manchester's twin city, and all through kind of the COVID, they were sharing information and intelligence and data and staying in touch. So, um, and the airport is 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 he's, he's so important to, to us our overseas students so important to the university so important to the economy so um we joke about uh, the, the the mipping catastrophes that um i've, I've uh, been associated with but i really do want us to get back soon to that international dialogue even if it has to be done in a different way um building those international relationships, the sustaining of those connections, are going to be crucial going forwards. Um, and if I find the jinx, I'll get somebody else to do it as long as it
0: happens.
1: <laughs> Richard will be more than capable without me to make yeah. sure you to do that.
0: Yeah. Uh, but I think you know, again, on a serious note, what Manchester has managed to do through its Nippon delegation. Is bring together a community of property uh, investors and property developers construction architects you know the whole range of people who operate in that industry have formed uh, a, a Manchester family within a family I suppose uh, yeah. and of course what we have done uh, in the run-up to make is working with Claire Ewartson and Pat and, and others is bring those people together. So that network was developing quite nicely. There's no reason at all, is there, Joanne, that, you know, when we do get back into work, we can continue that at least so that people are sharing experiences, problems, and hopefully coming up with some collaborative solutions.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I do think there'll be some form of mipping connections at some point. If we have to make it digital, let's do it. But... Um, yes it's strong in Manchester really strong and as I've said uh, in many ways I've spoken to just as many businesses through the last few weeks as ever really because we wanted needed each other we've stayed in touch with each other Uh, that's not going to go away the other point though is uh, we've always worked collaboratively with our other core city colleagues at Biffin as well so you know we've always done a Liverpool Manchester or Manchester Leeds We've done London, Manchester, you know. Uh, and again, that's an important element of what we do. So that connectivity between the cities point is also going to be really strong. And you I, I started by talking about Northern Powerhouse. Yeah. Well, that's, I that hasn't gone away. I've mentioned the, the need for us to have an equal level playing field. Leveling up was a government ambition. Well, it's never going to be more needed than post-Covid investment requirements, is it? So uh, we have to keep banging that drum about what we need in the north to not just recover, but to build back better, as Andy said, to be even better. We, we are going to keep that Northern Powerhouse narrative strong.
0: And I think I, I had a conversation a few days ago with Roger Marsh, who chairs the, uh, the MP11 group. I'm sure you know Roger well. And, you know, he came up with a line which I thought was a good one. You know, I think in the past, uh, and this is not necessarily the case with Manchester, I have to say, but with many cities in the north and many towns in the north, it's almost as if we go to Westminster asking them to solve the problem of the north. When actually, you know, what Roger was saying is we need to create a narrative now, don't we? Which is actually saying to government, here's the solution. The Northern Powerhouse can be part of, a big part of the solution to this financial uh, and economic crisis that we're facing.
1: Yes, you're right. And and our our view has always been to come forward with the solutions. That's, you know, through Greater Manchester and through Andy. It's always been about us doing the evidence and the analysis as well. as we're listening to what businesses are telling us, working through what we need Uh, which we know will work and then presenting it to government and all we ever say is give us the resources and give us the powers and we'll get on and sort it Um, I think it's great to see that uh, through the year we'll see Yorkshire get their mayoral arrangements away finally so you know that that mayoral nine group that exists with Andy with Steve from Liverpool Dan Jarvis over in, in Sheffield, when that, that, that group of elected mayors, Birmingham as well, Andy Street of course, when that's supplemented by Yorkshire as well, I think we, we do start with getting a quite heavy group of people who can go and talk to government. And I think it will be along the lines of we've worked out what we need, we can deliver this, give us the powers, give us extra devolution, we know what we can work out what we could work jointly on and collaboratively on uh, uh, and really power away, um, I think that, that will be a feature going forwards.
0: Well listen on that positive note, um, I'm going to give people one minute to type in any questions that they have. <laughs> I think we may have covered those okay. subjects to be fair, um, but the last question that I want to ask which is uh, which is a personal one because you know we're all trying to learn how to adapt to this new lifestyle. Um, so what are the positive things that you've taken from uh working from home and the new sort of ways in which we've uh we've had to experience life over the last few weeks?
1: The positives, um, um, well, I like having my slippers on, <laughs> <Very> nice. <laughs> um, I, I have to say it's for me it's been quite difficult actually I've I've um, I miss people so much mm. um i and actually find sitting in front of a screen for ten hours anything but relaxing. <laughs> in fact I can't see but I've actually got two screens. I've got two computers and two computers, four phones. <laughs> you know it's it's anything but relaxing really. Um, yes we can get things done yes we've continued the conversations um and, and clearly there's less travel but i uh, for me personally i've missed people i really i miss just i miss people i mean I, I, to the point that i ring richard on a saturday night for a drink together but
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. i just i miss that informal as well that Well, you know, Frank, we've we've done sessions before and often the best ideas come through the informal conversation, don't they? And I don't think anybody's got the, um, nobody's got the solution right now to what comes next. No one person has got the plan that's completely sorted and worked through. So we do need more conversations. We need lots of voices in the room. We need lots of opportunities to understand impacts on people and therefore what are the right um, interventions that we make. And I get that from the people that I I meet with formally and informally. um, And then, of course, we've got the joy of virtual business. I I mean, I'm really aware that, you know, a local authority is a democratically accountable body. It it should be holding its meetings in public. The public turn up. People can see us doing our, our work and the decision-making processes and doing that virtually is a challenge. We haven't been able to get our planning committee operating, yes, we will do as soon as we can, uh, but for now those powers are vested in me. Um, and, and then I, I choose to work in the public sector because I absolutely uphold those principles of democracy and openness and transparency. and. Um, for me, some of this digital working kind of limits some of that really so it's, I, I don't like it yeah.
0: i'd
1: rather i 'd rather be back in the town or yeah. with everybody <laughs> in
0: the yeah. yeah well that doesn't surprise me, I have to say uh, and uh, and listen, as always you you've given us a, a fascinating insight into. You know where manchester and the city council uh, is at the moment and what its plans and ambitions are uh, and listen joe it has been great to catch up online but equally um, as you rightly say you can't have quite the interaction uh, and i'm looking forward to uh, to getting together with you having a glass of vino and uh, and putting the world to rights as soon as possible
1: oh yeah definitely definitely
0: <laughs> okay we've stunned our audience into silence although i think as i say I've probably covered many of the questions that people have provided earlier. So apologies if I've asked a question that you wanted to put to Joanne. Uh, but we will get her to a live event. We've got uh, we're trying to get something uh, from uh, from Tom and and, uh, and Tony because we want to do a three way with with you guys, which was planned, of course. Uh, and just for for info, oh yeah, we've got a quick message from Sean Keys at Sutcliffe. It says lovely to hear from you, Joanne. We're with you. Uh, keep smiling and he says he prefers people as well to the uh, the computer so, um, so yeah it's nice to get uh, nice to get a bit of perspective into the Thank conversation uh, and listen tomorrow afternoon guys um, we've got Andy Burnham and Steve Rotherham uh, Steve Rotherham even joining us for uh, a session two o'clock again tomorrow afternoon and then on Wednesday we've got the chief executive of Liverpool City Council Tony Reeves with us. But uh, today can we just say big thank you to Joanne for coming into the downtown den. And as I say, I can't wait to see you in uh, in the flesh in the not too. As distant it
1: were. <laughs> Thanks Thanks, yeah, Joe. Thanks very much, Frank, and thanks everybody who listened in. And as I said, you know, really keen to hear from businesses if they want to just drop me a line. The more evidence we've got about what we need, the, the, the better our lobbying positioning the government is. So please uh, through downtown. Thanks very much for. All of your all your demos have been really informative. Actually, I've watched them all. The great, and the more you can do to get people to tell us what people practically need, the better. So,
0: thanks, Jen. Part.